The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 Yeah. Nailed it. it. Yeah. That's what we do. That's what we do. Everybody, welcome to Beyond episode 470-something. I forgot to write it down on the piece of paper. I'm Max Scoville, and I'm joined by Alana Pierce, Greets. Brian Altano, Bruh. and our special guest, Nick Robinson from Hello. Polygon.com. Hi. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, thanks for having me. There's a lot of stuff I should have asked before we started going, like, is this a no-cussing show? You can you if you do a cuss we have to bleep it with like a, uh, a cat noise yeah and that's man hours somebody yeah. has to go in and man meow now yes yeah um, anyway we have, a, we have a good show lined up um, Nick you played some Gravity Rush too you also played some Resident Evil uh, Alana you also played Resident Evil mm-hmm. uh, Mass Effect Andromeda we got some new stuff to go on that Final Fantasy VII remake might be a ways off what does that mean I don't know and also uh, I played some new things with my VR headset which made my body upset and my mind feel even worse find out what they are coming up next. We're not going anywhere. That's actually how we started the show. Anyway, um, we needed like a jingle, like dun 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 dun. That's efficient. Yeah. 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 Um, so Nick, just real quick, who are you? Uh, I'm Nick Robinson. I work for a website called Polygon.com. I make uh, really dumb YouTube videos for YouTube.com/slash/Polygon, which is a very distinct brand, I think, from the very serious stuff that goes yes. on, on the regular mm. website. Yeah, people like to go uh, the Polygon. They gave the Last of Us the mm. bad score, but you do the thing where you you and uh, what Griffin McElroy mess up things with cars. Yeah, we play. Griffin put this really eloquently in his Game of the Year video. Um, he we play games wrong and bad and don't do a good job of them. So uh, we have a series that is somehow a thousand episodes long now, where we play this like European crash t- simulation game called BeamNG.Drive uh, that we have really just broken from the inside out completely. Um, we have a series yeah. now called Touch the Skyrim, where uh, I don't like Skyrim, and Griffin's trying to make me like it by adding fifteen mods to it every week until it just becomes unrecognizable. <laughs> so now there's like JoJo Bizarre Adventures powers in it, and <laughs> we're a skeleton with like glowing eyes and tails. The fox is following us around as our companion. Yeah. I'm starting that, to like Skyrim. It sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's That's, a it's changing the game. For I me. did I did a let's play of that with Max where we uh, just modified the size of all the animals, and there's basically just like seventy foot tall rabbits everywhere. And then we killed one, and he went to take the meat from it, but he took it like right from its taint. 
Oh no! Yeah. And then we put that video on 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 IGN.com for well, where everyone. else do you take the meat from? That's where there's the most meat. Well, rabbit that large, there's <laughs> enough meat for all of us. Very supple poultry, those little woodland critters. Um, can, gra- can we can we speak what? about how this says uh, special guest Nick Robinson from Polygamy.com? I don't think that's a typo. Actually say that's a um, site. How yeah. many wives is too many, Nick? That's a great question. Um, I feel like as long as it's like a, a in the, the, the prime numbers only. Mm. It's like a, th- a thing. And I what is a prime number? That's a great question. Is that a number that arrives in two days or less with mm-hmm. free shipping? Yeah. it's You get a free Twitch like subscription with it, I think, every month. Cool, yeah. Fair. All right. Thank you. Um, so Gravity Rush 2, uh, reviews are up for that. Um, I think Polygon gave it a 7.5. Yeah. It who reviewed it. Yeah, it was, I think, yeah. I think and then, that was right. Uh, and IGN, uh, Miranda Sanchez reviewed it and gave it an 8.4. Um, Sounds like it's a pretty pretty good game. Uh, the first Gravity Rush was, of course, a Vita exclusive. Yes. Uh, and then came out as kind of an HD remaster for PS4. Uh, this one is just a PS4, and it's uh, you fly, you control gravity, and you're like a witch, and you fly around, and there's a cat probably? Yeah, I, there is a, definitely a cat. I okay. can tell you that for sure. I, I really like have scratched this. I played like an hour of it okay. like this morning, basically. Did you play the first one at all? Yes. I played the, the Vita one for probably like three three hours i think it was like on a flight once okay. or something so i'm like that's a terrible game to play on a flight totally yeah. um mm. and i i'm not like i i for that reason i know so little about the story of gravity right. rush that it was very much like kind of throwing me into it and just like n- i'm don't necessarily know who anyone is except for cat and her mm-hmm. cat who's not named cat um but i got i got far enough to where you get the gravity powers and something i was curious about is how they do like the controls since it's not on a vita anymore mm-hmm. right because that game was like using the touchscreen and, like, swiping and controlling gravity that way. This one is, like, interesting because it opens with this extended first-person <laughs> sequence. What? That's really weird where you're, like, there are these two miners. I don't want to talk too specifically about it, but you're, like, two miners mining some sort of gravity rocks. You said miners, and I was, like, like 15-year-olds? They might also be miners, but they're, <laughs> they're M-I-N-E-R-S, and you're, like, it's this weird thing where you're looking around in first person through this beautiful, spacey gravity rock environment and then tilting the controller to move your neck. That Um, sounds odd. (laughs) I mean, Gravity Rush was tight, I think, because it did cool stuff with the weird Vita features no one else was using, like Mm -hmm. the touchscreen and the the like accelerometer. Yeah, and they're doing that with the DualShock Four, right? Which is kind of fun. Um, But Um, no, yeah, it's it feels like more of of that game. Yeah, played a fair bit of Gravity Rush One, and I love the art style. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's a like seriously stunning game, and also the way that it flips is not nauseating at all, which is really surprising. Yeah, totally. How much it screws with gravity? I played a bit of two at E3, and it didn't seem a lot like the same thing. But I have no complaints about that. Totally. creative game and it's yeah. cool seeing that game on like built from the ground up for a system that is not like a handheld because mm-hmm. it's just it's so it's so strikingly pretty like the, all the ui and menu mm-hmm. stuff is gorgeous all the backgrounds are gorgeous it's like really really colorful it's a really fun combat yeah it's also a good time of the year for it like i feel like they're not sending this one off to die like they did with like the last guardian it was delayed wasn't it, it was meant to it come was out last yeah. year yeah. yeah which is actually good because it's not directly competing against a ton of stuff right now yeah um uh, aside from some other games coming up soon which we'll talk about later but mm-hmm. uh for the most part like i feel like a lot of Sony exclusives get timed weird, like they get thrown out there a, bu- a bunch uh, against a bunch of other things. Last Guardian barely tracked. I don't even think it tracked on the MPD, right? Did anyone see? Yeah, it didn't even crack yeah. the top so, ten. So, yeah. um, yeah, that one kind of got sent out to die after it, ten it's years. A, so. It's a hard month yeah. to release, and they totally should have done a January totally. February thing for that. Yep, yeah, I agree. Um, now, one thing Miranda talked about, and you kind of touched on this a second ago. Uh, if you don't know the characters or the story of the first one, this doesn't really do you any favors, and it kind of it kind of <laughs> throws you in there. For sure. It definitely just kind of starts and assumes you know Kat's history and like how she began and everything. There was also, if I remember right, there was also like an, an some sort of anime short film or Is movie there? or something for Gravity Rush that oh. came out at some point 
like between now and the first game. Mm. So that would probably help me too. But yeah. someone who didn't finish the game and haven't hasn't seen that, I'm just a little like. Yeah, I can't help but feel like that's kind of a missed opportunity because so many people. I mean, if, if you have a game that launches on a on a Vita, and even if you do remaster <laughs> right. it, like maybe making a sequel that's on a different platform, like kind of Witcher Three did the same thing with this, where it's like, it maybe uh, maybe make sort of an effort to be like. This is on a system that other people, the, the, the previous ones weren't on, you know? Like, yep. this yeah. is, there's a good chance that this is your first time in this I, universe. So I, maybe. I, yeah. I went to, a, about a month or two ago, I played Nier Automata. Um, and I think the thing I played is probably the same as that demo that's out mm-hmm. there now. Um, but something they talked about a lot when I was interviewing the, the producers on it is, like, they know that not a ton of people necessarily played the first Nier. Mm-hmm. And as a result, Great they... Great game, though. Yeah, there's a, they built the narrative, though, so that even if you didn't play it, yeah. like, you can still kind of, like, it's a separate protagonist. It's the same universe, but, like, not... It's not, like, a direct continuation. Yeah. I think that's a pretty elegant way to handle it. Totally. Even if your game has a number in the title, like, I, it yeah. helps. I think it's important to assume that there's always going to be a significant portion of your audience that have no idea what's going mm-hmm. on, who are checking out something for the first time. Even, like, I mean, it's tough even for, like, TV shows to just expect that, like, this is going to be someone's first episode and it's, like, season two, episode five. Yeah. Like, I totally agree, but at the same time, I feel like there's probably only a very small amount of people actually play Gravity Rush for the mm-hmm. story. Like, I really think it's more yeah. of a combat-focused game. So. Totally. Yeah, put less of an emphasis on the story. You just got to get those big red apples and get please that cat. No, that's Crash Let's Bandicoot. Go get the, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comforts, man. What did I say? Crash, uh, Gravity Crash Bandicoot. There you go. I would play the hell out of that. Yeah. That would be good. Uh, now, speaking of... It's basically Skyland. Yeah. Speak, <laughs> speaking of games with numbers in the title, uh, I'm jumping around here a little bit. Resident Evil 7, Re- Resident Evil Biohazard mm-hmm. with a 7 for the Z. Heavy yeah. 7. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you guys both got a chance to play this. This was mm-hmm. a preview event back in, what, December? Yes. Yeah. Last year? Yes. December 2016? Back yes, in the day. correct. What's up with Resident Evil? So, based on all the trailers, even the stuff we saw at PSX, I was like, what the hell is this game? It looks kind of like Outlast. It doesn't look like what I know of Resident Evil at all. And I wasn't sold on that. I didn't necessarily think it was a bad thing, but it didn't look like Resident Evil to me. It didn't look like what I wanted it to be. It's totally Resident Evil. So I played four hours at an event, uh, and, you know, it has all of the stuff that I love Resident Evil for, like weird, obscure items that work with doors that you hadn't seen when you got the item, and you have no idea how they interact with each mm. other. You've got to oh, use the Tiffany lamp to open the sliding glass door. Pretty right? much. Yeah. This, it's actually on my... The tiger's key. glass eye opens the bathroom. <laughs> I'm literally not allowed to talk about all the weird keys and stuff oh, that's really? under embargo. Yeah, they've just done such a good job of really trying to lock this game down so that nothing I is get spoiled. It. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also, like, really overpowered weapons, but you still feel helpless, which is something that's really staple Resident Evil to me. You know, mm-hmm. you get a pistol, and you shoot something in the head five times, and it doesn't die, and you have to, like, deal with that ammo conservation. There's still also the uh, item chest, so you have to really manage your inventory. It just chainsaws and shotguns, and none of it makes you feel powerful, so I feel like it's really back to what Resident Evil originally felt like. Uh-huh. Um, it is first person, and obviously that's a huge change. I think it works. Um, it's a little bit scarier, I guess. There Can you some... see your feet? I didn't check. I, got I, I was gonna check. Yeah. It's also got VR support, right? And yeah, it yes. like, does. And this I... is probably one of the biggest PSVR. It's probably the biggest PSVR. Yeah. That's yeah, kinda, the longest is definitely well. in terms of like hours that you of the game that you can play yeah. in VR. Like it's yeah. not like a Tomb Raider add-on throwaway thing. Yep. This is like you can theoretically play the whole game. The impression I got from talking to Capcom folks is like. They don't really expect that to be the primary way most people interact with the game. I would rather die. (laughs) Really? Oh, man. It's, you know, even playing it normally. So 
you're not being chased constantly, but there is a character who is following you kind of through this giant house that just keeps getting bigger and bigger as you go on sometimes. And every time that I would see him or hear him nearby, I would just hide in a corner in the shadows and wait for him to go somewhere else in the house, which is particularly cool because I don't think he was on a loop. Yeah. I think that he just walks kind of spontaneously, so you don't really know where he is. Which the is really sound cool. design is so good on it that stuff, really too. Good. Like, when you hear him, like, you hear a door open, like, two rooms away, and yeah. he's coming oh, up on you, it's, you like, hell the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's easy enough to avoid, which is another thing I like, is that when he's kind of following you in a certain part of the game. What's he like? <laughs> uh, I don't even know where to start he, on that. Is he's it, a, it's a man? It's, it's a, a man. He's a dad. He's a dad? Yeah. He's a dad-like He's uh, in the in the trailers dad. that we've seen. Okay. Uh, he's a big old hillbilly. He cusses at you sometimes. He does. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's called me a really bad word that I don't want to make anyone have to spend time <laughs> bleeping, but it was a combination of swear words that was very creative. Wow. He's, he's, he's a very big, angry man who... You know, I'm not going to spoil anything, but right, he yeah. is in the trailers. We have from, seen him. He's part of the, the Baker family. From like a combination of what I've seen and what I've heard from people who played it sort of behind the scenes, mm-hmm. um, it seems like they're taking a lot of cues from like classic old school horror yeah. in, in the way yeah. that like specific segments are like, oh, that's a nod to Psycho. That's a nod to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Like the family specifically that they're using in a lot of the key art mm-hmm. is totally that scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where they all have like weird dinner with that rubber grandpa, man. Totally, totally. And <laughs> it, it that, seems like the way that they're dealing with the family is it feels like, I don't know this because I didn't get that far, but it seems like they're all kind of tied to certain parts of this ridiculously huge house. So there's like one part is the dad, one part will be the mother, and they all kind of have like different elements sort mm-hmm. of, and they're all spaced out. And you just have to like unlock one part to get to the next part of the house. And um, I think you're looking for someone is why you're there, but there's a huge amount of lore. And I don't know yet if it ties into uh, the previous Resident Evil games, but it definitely has sci-fi elements. Yeah. 100%. I, I totally agree with you that like it... It is so surprising how much of a real Resident Evil game this is because yeah. at a glance you could totally mistake it for being like it's a t- weird departure. Such a weird choice and, in but the it, marketing. Yeah, once you get into it, it's like, oh, this is like, like I had a moment in the game that really stood out to me where like there was a bunch of enemies in this room and in between, uh, they were in between me and the place I needed to get mm-hmm. and I had the choice to either craft health with the limited items I had or craft like 10 pistol shots and I crafted 10 bis- pistol shots and like fought all the enemies which you could have run past i guess theoretically I yeah i ran <laughs> well, what happened was like i killed them all but at the end of that sequence i had one shot left in my gun and i was like that is so cool and doesn't happen in video I games think, anymore like, just after that part there's like a boss fight and yeah yeah it's tough and it, it totally does feel like resident evil one and two i think more than four also in terms of scale it's probably more like one but i mean mm. it's I, I loved it and when i finished playing it i came back here and spoke to so many people about it and i'm mm. so excited about it like I hated that I had to stop playing it. It's, yeah, it's I, really good. I really can't wait for this. I think, Nick, what you just said is really interesting, too, uh, um, about sort of ammo conservation and how mm-hmm. games aren't made like that anymore. Yeah. Most people nowadays, I think, especially first-person games, you're used to just, like, kind of standing there and rejuvenating and just coming back to life and being okay or, like, hiding behind a wall and being like, everything's safe mm-hmm. or picking up a billion more pistols. Um, so this is kind of awesome. I yeah. hope it kind of, like, kicks a bunch of kids ass <laughs> like, I mean, it even has those rooms that you go in and save in there's like a little cassette tape and do they make, make that the, weird the music. spooky music yeah like awesome. it's totally the same as it used to be. does it does it still work weird where like if you put like a sandwich in one of them in one part of the house like it appears in the other yes that made i think really because so. yeah. you have a big yes. item storage box right yes. and everything every one of those you go to has all your stuff in it so you yeah. can't teleport sandwiches if you find <laughs> sandwiches is it weird that like I, I was hung up on that in the house that like you needed to use like a shield key to get in to fight a zombie shark and I'm like, that should be more realistic. It's, well, there's it's that video game thing of like the more the more they try to ground something in reality, the weirder it seems. Like yeah. Yeah. when they try to explain away Nathan Drake killing a thousand people, it's all of a sudden calls attention to it. Or uh 
I think the Tomb Raider example is really good where like when she kills the first dude it's like really sad and then every other dude after that doesn't matter I think penny in for a pound yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, because they make you store yourself in a real actual concrete box the physics of that box all of a sudden start being really questionable yeah but yeah I I didn't (laughs) think about it much while playing yeah there's also um some cool kind of level up things you collect these coins this is not on the sheet it feels embargoed but it's not on the sheet i'm allowed to say it you collect these coins that you then kind of put in these little yeah. bird cages that give you three birds no that would be cool uh th- it's basically different level ups like increases to your stamina or overall health by so these they... coins that you collect and yeah it's it's the weird because it's like I was wondering for the whole first like two hours of the game, like where is the shopkeeper? And then you find like this RV that's full of yes. bird cages, yeah. and you've been collecting these coins the whole game, it's, like You're strange like, what coins. Do they do? I Can think. Can I get and, rid of them? Yeah, and you don't know what they're for. Um, and then like one of them has like a really nice pistol in it mm. that I could not afford, and yeah. then the rest have like hypodermic needles with permanent stat upgrades yes, in them. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's like such a, a just another weird departure of like I was expecting a dude in a trench coat to yeah. open his thing yeah, and like yeah. have all this stuff, but instead of just like no, here's a here's a here's a RV. With bird cages, with but there's nobody working in there. No, nope. you're. It's just He's you. Going there. So there's no guy who's like, bought some rare things on sale for you, stranger. No, unfortunately not. That's <laughs> odd. Your head. Yeah. yeah but, oh, that's uh, so weird. So what's like, I mean, you're obviously you're trying to save somebody who is like kidnapped or something, mm-hmm. right? But like, other than that, what, why, like, what is compelling you to stay in this house? Like, can can you just go outside and go run in the field and leave? No. Like, no. No. That sucks. I mean, I'm not playing you know, this you game. I'll leave the house. You can't. You can't get out. You can't get out. The one moment where you get the closest to getting out, uh, it, they stop you. It's mm-hmm. it's so, like, every time that, you know, the game's like, yeah, you're obviously going to try and get out here, a conflict will happen, so you can't leave. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. It's pretty smartly done. Uh, but it's also that, you know, I don't really want to leave. I'm so interested in the <laughs> yeah. family that I'm like, I'm going to find out what's going on with all of you weird people. And I noticed that, like, for PSVR, there's a bunch of different comfort options. Like, you can sort of turn in the kind of pie chart fashion, which we've talked about on the show before, which is sort of like... Where it like, jumps mm-hmm. yeah. 45 degrees? yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you can just go full comfort or uncomfort mode and just run around this house. Uh, I don't like. I've got my VR legs, you know. I just don't know if this is something I'm ready to do. Like, I just I'm, think I love horror movies. I think I'm going to be a big baby. I, I played a bunch of uh, horror VR games, and every time I say this, people like speak for yourself. But I really think this is going to be way too scary to play yeah. VR. There was one boss fight that I'm not allowed to talk about, but it was basically in a confined space where I was being followed. And I sort of had to run and then attack and run and attack just in this really small square with a pole in the middle. So I couldn't see the person who was following me all the time. And every time that I died after that, I had to put the controller down and take a breather for like five, ten minutes. Because it's not that it was hard or that it was scary. It was just very intense. So Di- therefore I was like, okay, I need to breathe. And then dying, back up. Dying in first person horror is what is I think what actually gets to me. It's like walking around is one thing, the tension of all that. But when you get killed, it's a different story. Like Max and I play this game called Crystal Rift, which is on PSVR. Not a great game. It's sort of this like cheesy old school, like PC dungeon crawling adventure game. And I went home and I tried it in VR. Mm. And there was this like part where these like just huge saw blades come swinging down. Mm. And one of them killed me. And like when you die in that game, it's just this very guttural like, ah! yeah. and like yeah. blood, I think. That's bad sound design. And, yeah, it's just very hokey. <laughs> but something about it just was just like, oh, Oh, God, like yeah. this is getting to me. I don't think it was the death that bothered me. I think that it was the constant tension. Yeah. You didn't have any break from that boss fight. You couldn't escape. You you were just stuck in this very small room having to either run or attack constantly. Mm-hmm. No peace at all. I, and yeah. I feel like doing that in VR would just be 
horrible. Like, I think you could play small chunks, but there are some jump scares and just Did, some moments like there's that. There's this, like, way too intense. There's this quote that I think about all that, because I've never played a horror game in VR, and I will probably die having never played a horror game in VR. Like, I just have no interest in ever mm. doing it. I think it was a, there was an interview, I think on IGN, with the makers of Until Dawn talking about uh, the Until Rush Dawn. Of blood. Yeah. Yeah. Rush of, they were talking about Rush of Blood. And there's, like, a quote from, like, the dude who is, I guess, the head of, I can't remember the name of that developer right now, but the, the head of that company is saying, we think jump scares are great in VR. And I'm just like, you and me are just could not be more different yeah. people. Like, that is the, I've never disagreed with any sentence out of any human being's mouth more than yeah. jump scares are great in VR. And, and again, that's that's one of those games that's, like, kind of cheesy, kind of hokey, but in VR, it's kind of terrifying. I mean, like when, it's a totally separate game in VR yeah. as well, but I oh, yeah, played that sure, at Paris it's on Games Rails. Week. Yeah, played it at Paris Games Week, and there's this one moment where you get to the bottom of this hill, and I was like looking around, there was nothing there. And I was like, I know that when I look to the left is going to be the moment where the thing pops out yep. and you get to continue. And they were like, you have to do it. And I was like, I don't want I don't want to look to the left. <laughs> they were like, you cannot proceed without the jump scare. I was like, do you understand why that's ridiculous? Like I yep. figured out that it's there. I've evaded it. So I just closed my eyes, looked, Take and kept going. Yeah. Like, it's actually really fine. funny watching somebody play a VR horror game because you, if you're looking at the TV, like you just see the ceiling and the floor because they're like, ah! <laughs> they just look away from what they actually should be looking yeah. at. And the thing that I think is the biggest difference between regular horror, because I love horror games so much, uh, I think the difference between playing a game normally and playing it in VR is that you don't have a sense of personal space. Yeah. And you you really do need a break from that because you can't put your hands in front of your eyes. You don't have the setting of a living room to save you from whatever you're seeing. You have the buffer of reality between you and the exactly. TV. So you can like look left and be like, oh, that's a window yeah. that goes outside where people are happy. <laughs> and I'm familiar with this environment, whereas when you're in VR, you, you just... You have no sense of comfort whatsoever. You're in an environment you don't know. It's just so overwhelming. And I would be amazed if, well, I'm sure someone will, but how many people will actually manage to finish the full game in VR? Right. Be really I read a quote a couple months back from one of the people working on Alien Isolation about how they were kind of like thinking about bringing stuff to oh. VR, even mm. just like in a sort of like compartmentalized version of what the actual game is. And I think like just the simple act of like sitting behind a crate mm. in VR and leaning your head out mm. and waiting for something to kill you, like that's a game. That's already enough to be like, you know, okay, like that stimulates a response inside me. I think me. Alien Isolation would actually work pretty well in VR because a lot of it is you paying attention to the cues like you know when you see yep. the saliva coming from the ceiling yep. and like the music cues whereas resident evil is a lot of you being chased mm -hmm. which is a totally different mm. feeling like i feel like alien isolation would work kind of well but you also get enough breaks yeah the android stuff would suck though yeah do we, for do sure. we know how the because i haven't played re7 in vr yet is it still using a controller are you still like aiming your gun yeah. with a yeah. stick yeah okay yeah. Yeah, which that, is kind of a comfort. Yeah, there's yeah, actually so. there's two demos out. There's the kitchen demo, which is part of that right. um, mm -hmm. that demo disc that came with the system, or it's downloadable on the store. And then they launched that new one right at PSX, mm -hmm. which is the entire full demo that's been out for Resident Evil Seven, but now is completely in VR. Um, and that's a good way to sort of test. Have like, you tried that? Yeah. How was it in VR? Terrifying. Yeah. Does it yeah. feel weird? Because I feel like when I'm in VR, if I'm looking in the first person, there's a gun in front of me. My my gut, just because having played like so much Oculus and and Vive stuff, is I want to be the one aiming that gun. Right. And like at a certain point, like the Wii version of Resident Evil 4 had more mm. realistic gun aiming than it sounds like RE7 VR does. Yeah. And that, that was feel weird. That was my favorite version for for a while of that game, which is probably my favorite Resident Evil game and one of my top five favorite games of all time. I just adore that game. Uh, quick shout out to the people making like there. There's a fan site making like a ultra HD version of that that you should check. Oh, out. It's really cool. Um, but 
in Resident Evil, I found that the tension mostly came from moving around and waiting and mm. hearing. And like, it's the scariest parts were not when I was doing something. It was when totally. I wasn't. No, yeah. it's, like, it's like the spider rule. If you can't yeah. see the spider, it's more scary because it could come out at any moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. And I, I mean, like at, yeah. with all first person stuff in VR and PSVR specifically, like um, one of the hardest things about it is obviously walking and aiming and shooting at the same time. You just run out of inputs. So if you have two move controllers or, you know, whatever it is, um, it's just doesn't really get you there so you end up having to do that like teleport thing and then Mm -hmm. so i don't think they're gonna add support for anything like that i would love that in some way because i'm totally with you like walking around it's one thing but the second you have to aim and you're using sticks like there's a disconnect there Mm -hmm. yeah so i don't know we'll see also that game is kind of gorgeous like i I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it but it, it totally has that like weird PT vibe of like this looks like somebody scanned in like some 3D yeah. telemetry like photos or something yep. of an actual environment like you can look at every book on a bookshelf mm-hmm. I saw a book on a bookshelf that just was called uh, Street Fighting <laughs> I love that book good. yeah it's a great book <laughs> yeah it's like a weird it is quite pretty it's a weird game to be gorgeous because it's hideous right. like and I mean that in the best oh, way possible like, so hideous. like when you lift up the, the lid of a pot and it's like oh I wonder what's inside is it mealworms yes yeah. it is it's but always the mealworms the main game is so much more colourful than the yeah. demo as well like mm. it's just I feel like it's really way more colourful I feel oh. like that demo is kind of just like a lot of grey and black whereas mm-hmm. the house doesn't actually feel scary like I don't think that this is a pure horror game in the kind of way that PT is, it's an action survival horror. It's, yeah. It, it doesn't, you don't feel scared all the time. It's only really when there's a threat present. And, you know, there's mm. a lot of creative stuff in the environment. Well, this feels more like tangible yeah. horror, and PT was more sort of psychological horror, yeah, where you would loop through and all of a sudden yeah. you'd be like, oh, a poltergeist. You just what never I, feel comfortable, but yeah. you do sometimes in Resident Evil 7. Yeah. What I love about PT is that it was in like a very familiar setting. Like that house was like a house that your friend lived in. Like yeah. It was a house that you could picture yourself in. What I've seen in Resident Evil is like, it's this Texas Chainsaw Massacre house, which mm-hmm. is more like, ooh, it's the it countryside. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's, it's a, a huge house. Just a big, nasty house that a bunch of weird people have lived in for a really long time well like the scariest part in that movie is when leatherface chases that woman into that one room that like you never really see again it's just a room it's just cut full of bones oh yeah like she chases him into this room or he chases her in this room and she just falls on the floor and she's like what the and there's just bones everywhere and like dead chickens hanging upside down and then they leave Mm, and you're like wait what and like resident evil 7 feels like they just built an entire house out of that that room like it's just gross i'm kind of tired of that you know like i'm really sick of like horror stuff that revisits the same tropes like Mm -hmm. whether it's a victorian mental hospital or a graveyard or a forest or there's always these same kind of horror levels that you see all the time and like i think pt really hit the nail on the head with like oh this is familiar. Like this is something. That, this is like a house. This is I like. Thought, I thought PT going away was gonna stop hurting so much eventually, and it doesn't. Every yeah. day I'm still day. sad about it. It's still oh, yeah. like yeah. It's because it's just. It was like such a promising thing. It, it was sort of like. It, it was like they told you they were gonna make a movie out of one of those like trailers that they had during Grindhouse, <laughs> and then they made yeah. three of them. My but, thing is yeah. Silent Hill PT might actually be my favorite game. Like mm-hmm. it's. I love it so much, and mm-hmm. I've replayed it so many times. Like I just adore it and i feel like there's no way that silent hills could live up to that yeah like yes. I that's a big question if, if it's the lost silent hill thing that exists like while i would have loved what kojima had planned for hills like it's great it's still yeah. very you, good you, know what you don't hear people talk about that much is the final line of pt when you beat it and they play the trailer and norman Reedus shows up and everything there's a line at the end that says like this is a teaser uh not intended to be representative of final gameplay yeah. and that to me is actually like that makes me feel slightly less bad about Silent Hills not coming out because 
I would have wanted it to just be that. Right. Like, I yeah. would have right. wanted a, totally. more of that that's weird mind game stuff. I think maybe that's just what I'm saying to make myself feel better about it. But <laughs> right. it's what, we're, so we're both it's coping. It's, yeah. I, I like in a perfect world, I would have taken a thing like that every year and a half that was just like, here's an, just here's, like yeah. here's like, here's a living room with a table in the middle. And every time you walk around the table, more ghosts and dead baby aliens. <laughs> just here. a 20 minute unbeatable demo yeah. every yeah. 18 yeah. months. Yeah. Full yeah. of like secrets and puzzles and the whole internet's coming together to find, which is like, there's an element of that in Resident Evil 7. It's absolutely going to be like that. The Reddit is just full of theories of people overthinking stuff yep. but also when i was at capcom they told me that no one has found the fastest way to beat the demo yet really? so despite this reddit full of people working you just together, leave the house <laughs> you can't the front front door. Door. get out the house no, apparently uh, there's something that no one has found they wouldn't you tell me anything else but yeah. no one's figured it out yeah, yet so out door. that's wow. awesome i can't wait for this game yeah. just a few weeks away very All excited right. so completely shifting gears here uh mass effect andromeda we got some more gameplay from that at ces uh-huh. uh it is a game in space it is you can do some things yeah. um Alana, you screwed around with the collector's edition. What what's up with that? Yeah. So, uh, firstly, that gameplay looks beautiful. It, uh, I think this game's going to be amazing. And we got a release date March twenty first. That's right. Yeah. Uh, which is also at the same time that the and everyone no one believes it. Out. Everyone thinks it's going to get delayed. Like everyone, <laughs> yeah. like we put up a video about that, and everyone's just like, "Yeah, right." I'm like, all right. I feel like that would have delayed it at this point if that would yeah. be a thing. You don't but. announce that your game's coming out in two months unless it's coming out in two months. Yeah. If it was right. a further away number, there'd be a chance. Sure. But, like, no. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we it was really odd. We were at CES the first night, and I was checking out this thing called Airbar, which is basically a device that makes your Mac fully touchscreen. It's super cool. Huh. Like, pinch and, like, swipe. All, yeah. all the stuff that you can do on an iPhone or an iPad. And then Brian, my producer, was standing next to me at the time was like, Alana, this is the Mass Effect andromeda collector's edition and i was like what and the dude who we were talking to about the airbar was like what do you what is this thing so excited about and i was like how is that here and apparently we'd be the first people to cover it because i guess nobody else right at ces cared what it was and Weird. i was just like how is this? oh my god because ces is like 14 consecutive football fields of snake oil and nonsense oh yeah this yeah. wasn't even at the ces show floor it was like a separate offside dog Ugh, hats such an exhausting it's like event. the dumbest it's, it's insane but yeah so the uh Collected edition. Oh, this was at Showstoppers. It wasn't even at Showstoppers. Okay. It was like like Showstoppers. Because that's where we did the interview last year about the video the, game console for dogs. dogs. That yeah. was great. Highlight of my career. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so <laughs> first things first. This collected edition comes with the Nomad ND1, which is kind of like I think Andromeda's version of Mako or Mako, the weird jumpy floaty vehicle thing that yeah. I love, but people it's hate. A little car for yeah, the spaceman. Fancy little car for the spaceman, and uh, it's fully remote control works with your phone and it has like a camera on the very front so you can take photos or videos or you can just use regular controls and it's touch goes really really fast that's nuts it lights up and you can turn the lights on and off from your app you can also like record anything you want to and i think you can stream it from the app as well what you know what that makes it's me super do? cool i feel like we should totally get all of the video game collector's editions that came with vehicles and race them <laughs> that's <laughs> a good fun. idea which, which awesome. is the best like the call of duty car and we've got that weird watchdogs drone thing yeah. here, a Does, little robot. Oh yeah, that. Guy. Do you think them putting a, a Mako or a Mako alike in the collector's edition of this game is them saying like, "No, we got it right this time." Like, I hope so. You don't put a remote control car in your series that is notorious for bad driving controls unless you super fixed it. <laughs> well, like, I mean, it worked really well. Uh, the actual thing, it was very fast. So if it if fun. it's as good in the game as it was in real yeah, life, ten out of ten. Be, okay, uh, that's awesome. But that said, it also comes with the uh, steelbook. Doesn't come with the game. Oh, oh come on! 
Uh, Why do they keep doing this? It's EA. It's it's EA. Same thing with Battlefield One. It's an EA decision. Don't call it a collector's edition. Call it a collectible. Call it a thing. Call it a product. Uh Like a stuff pack. That's ridiculous. I know. It's like all the Star Wars toys on my desk aren't the collector's edition of Star Wars. It's just toys that I bought. (laughs) Yeah. It also comes out on the same day. I think it's one hundred and eighty dollars. I don't remember exactly, but uh, with no game. Yes. No (laughs) game. So it is literally a collector's item. A replica of something okay. rather than a collector's edition. Uh, I think that Battlefield guy that looked like Eddie Murphy. Yeah, that's pretty nice, too. This I one's like actually from PDP. That one was from Triforce. And PDP make good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool. It's very high quality. I'm super impressed with it. But made a car. It was not PewDiePie. They couldn't have like just thrown in a little piece of paper, like a fortune cookie-sized piece of paper with a code on it's it to download the game. It's got to be an EA thing. It has to be. Because, it's I mean, really this to happen in two separate companies, yeah, yeah, it has yeah. to be EA being like, no, we want to be the only ones to release this game. I, okay. I have no idea why. I'd love to find out. But this is, I think, the third time it's happened. Is that like a, like they can't track NPD on it? Like, what is, like, I don't get the logic it could of that. Be, it could be to do with, um, if there's no game attached, they don't have to worry about regions. Like maybe if I mean they can ship this thing that makes perfect sense. It's still like it's still going to be an RC car that works with your with your garbage whatever. But Mm. if they include a a game for it, that means they have to make separate SKUs for each region. So yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, but there was a bunch of other cool stuff at CES. Uh, yeah, I put a note on here the Sony A1E series. Uh, they are bringing out a new TV series that doesn't have speakers because the actual screen itself makes the noise. Huh. I don't really know I have how no this mouth, works. But I must scream. What? Well, it, the the display vibrates, so the literal display of the TV acts as a speaker instead of having speakers like on the side. Oh my god! I feel like you could spend the next three years explaining that to me, and I'd be like, "Right, what?" Yeah, yeah. It's literally sound is output directly from the dis- the display. It's That's really odd because TV speakers are notoriously the crappiest speakers mm-hmm. in the but world. But it's also who asked for that? Yeah. It's so specific. Yeah, that seems like kind of proving a point. Like that's like they're just like guess what we can do. Yeah. Well, You're talking about it on your podcast, aren't you? It worked yep. for headlines for sure. Uh, yeah. there are also a bunch of cool peripherals. Did, um Did it sound of, okay? Did you hear it? I did not hear it because weirdly enough when I saw it they didn't have an outputting sound. What is okay? That has happened. Like <laughs> this is the eighth time I've heard about something at CES where it was like, "Here's our new VR headset. It doesn't turn on though right now. Check it out." Like is, I was no, it's a snake oil convention. Like it's like I went to I went to School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, and there was one kid in every single class who would come in and be like, "So I don't have any paintings to show you, but what I'm thinking of making is sort of like a hip hop inspired Van Gogh." And we're like, "Make it. Like, put it on the put it on Stop put it on the wall so we can tell you if it's good or not." Yeah. Like, so that's a good segue right there. Um, all right. So Final Fantasy VII Remake and Kingdom Hearts Three, according to Tetsuya Nomura, are still a ways off. That good old vague, vague thing. Um, these are two mm. games that got shown off. Uh, when were these first shown? This was... Uh, Final Fantasy VII was E3 2014. 2014 or 15? 15. 15. 15. And then Kingdom 15, Hearts. Yeah, Kingdom 15. Hearts was 14, right? Yes. yes. And that was also the same one where we got Scalebound revealed. Was that... Yeah. And well, Nick, you just put up that tweet yeah, yesterday, yeah. right? So, yeah, th- that was a weird E3. It's th- so a scalebound cancellation got me looking back at what everybody put out that E3 right. just to see. Because Microsoft's E3 2014, in hindsight, is really, really weird now. Scalebound was a game they announced there that just got canceled. Phantom Dust, that version of Phantom Dust mm-hmm. got canceled. They're still doing like the re-release of it, but the remake from scratch, that's canceled. Um, Fable Legends? Fable Legends wasn't announced there, but was it? it was the first time they showed gameplay was at E3, so it had a huge stage presence, also canceled. Mm. Um, Project Spark didn't get canceled. It got released and then unreleased. You can't buy that game anymore. Really? Right, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that, that was and, great. And then I went and looked at like Sony's E3 lineup that year and Nintendo's, and while... 
like not every Nintendo game from E3 2014 or Sony game from that year was great. They all, for the most part, came came out out or didn't get canceled. Except for like, I think Dead Island 2 was on stage at Sony for a little bit, but that's not a Sony game, so I don't think that really... And also that game is like, I think they just shift to another development team. It's not like canceled, canceled. Anyways, Mm -hmm. it's that was a weird year in hindsight. Well, Mm. was that the year that uh, Xbox One was announced or was that the year before? before. 2013 they announced it? Yeah, year before, yeah, 2013. Because the... they had so much making up to do after that that I'm mm-hmm, not surprised right. their next E3 was just a mess. Well, I liked your follow-up tweet, which is sort of, um, who was it tweeted that picture of the mic drop? M- Xbox. The yeah. at Xbox Twitter account at the end of their E3 2014 press conference tweeted a microphone that had been dropped and was like, really looking forward to like all these great great games coming. Yep. And it's yep. like, okay. oh, yeah. I, mean, well, I, don't want, at... I don't want to turn this into like a console war no, thing. No, of course, but, but like to talk about the, the yeah. Sony, the, like Sony, Sony does the next too. year, they yeah. had The Last Guardian, which is now out. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Final Fantasy. Seven and they had Shenmue, which are both sort of in you know yeah. up in the air. That yeah. was their big three that year. Um, yeah, and what else did they have? They also had uh, this last year. Was it no? This last year they had uh, Final Fantasy, Gran Turismo, Gran Turismo. They got a bunch they of crash. Stuff that, that, yeah, they crash. showed off a bunch of stuff that they just they're teasing it. And I feel like we're at this point where maybe it's just bad to tease stuff before it's closer. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I still feel like the the Last Guardian was a near miss. The, I, there is a universe that is not that many universes adjacent to ours where that game never came out. Yeah, like yeah. that could have been their scale bound if things had been handled totally. slightly differently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I have to imagine and I've said this on the show before, but that like that was a suicide mission by the end of that game's release because there is literally no way in any capacity that that game would have ever recuperated its cost for development after nine something mm-hmm. years of, of of being in development hell. Um, and the fact that they said, like, my, my problem with that game was that they sent it out to die, like, at, in early December or what, yeah, early December, right? Yeah. And, like, of all the times, and they could well, have at least recouped a little I bit. I would guess it's because coming off of the 10 years of people being familiar with the name, they just assumed that everyone would want it enough. Yeah. But, you know, people who just play FIFA and Call of Duty don't know what that is. Yeah, it's also your, your Christmas money is all spent by, by that week anyway. Yeah. But I think it's like, I mean, Strange choice. it brings back that age-old question, like, do you want games, do you want to find out about a games like two months before they're out, or do, would you like to know that someone's making something It's, for it's one of the yeah. things that makes our industry the most different from, like, movies, right? Yeah. Like, as soon as a movie starts production, everyone in that industry knows about it. Yeah. For the most, unless it's, like, some secret Star Wars or J.J. Abrams, like, hidden Cloverfield yeah. project. Or the Uncharted movie. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's a video game movie. It's, it's like development hell forever. It's like yeah. the second it's greenlit. Like there'll be some yeah. people going around, but yeah. the second it's like in pre-production, people are like, "Oh, this is happening," and then yeah. pre-production can you know fall mm-hmm. in hell. But like, yeah, I mean, but like I think like with movies, they're never like Mark Wahlberg kept getting stuck in the wall, <laughs> so we had to like so I like call him we pushed it back eighteen months. <laughs> we had to buy a new <laughs> camera. Call him Mark Wahlberg. Um, so yeah, but back to Kingdom Hearts three and, and Final Fantasy seven. Like these are these are games that don't need like it's not the Last Guardian where you're like, what is that? Oh, it's the guys who did this other two games you might have played in yeah. two thousand five. Um, these are games that obviously have a lot of a lot of like weight to them and. Apparently, there's still more waiting to happen. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3, that was that was 2014 that they showed that off. Uh, Nomura said, The production process is different than what we've had up until now, so I can't just give you a general idea, but I can say there are worlds that remain untouched. We've advanced in the production of worlds that have yet to be announced, so we can't show them for now. As far as development status goes, there's still a ways to go. So maybe, why did you show it to us in 2014? I mean, it's possible they started making this game before, like, Star Wars was a really big thing, and if they're That's delaying true, it for yeah. Star Wars, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that one bit. Really? So I got in a big fight with the with the Kingdom Hearts um, community. No. Uh, yeah. I I said that Kingdom Hearts is like pineapple on pizza, and that 
uh, it's two things that are great on their own, but if you put them together, you are wrong and bad or something to that effect, which yep. a lot of people would pick up on as being, you know, hyperbolic, you know, and not, yeah, and not a serious. Like pineapple and pizza, there are a lot of people who love it and will die for it and will go to bat for it and will yell at you about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, that metaphor works even. Even though it. they're fundamentally wrong and gross. <laughs> right. Uh, I just don't like I like Bring Disney it. I like Disney stuff and I like I like Square Enix stuff. I just think combining the two is just odd to me. You know, yeah. It's this kind of East meets West thing. Which... No, I think that's something that I like about it is how yeah. weird it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never played a Kingdom Hearts, but I just have, from a is... distance I yeah. love that it's just so the idea that like Goofy or Donald Duck will have like a dramatic death scene or something mm-hmm. yeah. is so funny to me inherently. See, Nick, I'm, I'm actually just... legit surprised you haven't played any of those games. No, they, I feel a... like they'd be your jam. It's funny. I don't really play JRPGs. I've never really played a Final Fantasy game. I think I played like Tactics Advance on the school bus once. Like I did the snowball fight tutorial and that yep. was it. But I've never really touched that, like the Square Enix world. Mm. I am excited for the Final Fantasy VII remake because it's CyberConnect 2 yeah. who made Ashra's Wrath, which is like oh, the yeah. best game ever. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of the extent of my, my love for, for that stuff. See, I like the idea of like them them folding Star Wars into this. First of all, we don't get enough Star Wars video games. Second of all, like I don't know, like we've if you go to Disney, you can see the Millennium Falcon with Mickey standing in front of it. I don't sort like of that so much. It's weird. It's odd. <laughs> like they have that so, Donald Duck Boba Fett crossover yeah, crap that like they sell in the store. Bit. There's something really funny and quirky it. and weird about it. It is. I like the yeah. the weirdness and the thing. <laughs> for me is that Kingdom Hearts is so happy. Yeah. I mean, some pretty messed up stuff happens, but I feel like it's just a really happy universe. And if you can put Star Wars, which is something that I like, into that already happy, like, goofy, cartoony universe. I'm yeah, cool like, Max, it. you didn't have a problem with Disney Infinity. No, that's because it had a consistent style guide. Well, yeah. It had one, like, co- cohesive kind that's, of aesthetic. Yeah. That is true. Really like, gets how me, does, like, if, they, if they had uh, classic Disney characters that are redesigned to look like Final Fantasy characters, I'd be so down with that. But mm-hmm. the fact that they look like regular Disney characters just, that happen to be wearing Final Fantasy Duck, armor, no I'm just pants. like, no, thank you. I don't <laughs> like, how, how is it? Mouse with spiky hair. Yeah. How is, like, Sora, like, how is a Kingdom Hearts human going to look standing next to a Star Wars human? Because those are two very different types of humans. Right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. drastically different looking. Yeah. Make them look like rebels, right? Maybe. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's weird. weird. I, uh, anger the pineapple pizza crowd. Um, Final Fantasy VII, uh, Nomura said, we're, we're making steady progress on its production while we are indeed working on it. I think we'll have you guys wait a little longer for both Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, hmm. So I'm like, I am, I think, about 20, 30-something hours and 25 hours into Final Fantasy XV. and Holy I'm crap in love with it i think it's my game of the year i uh i never finished a final fantasy game i dabbled in them when i was younger there it's it's funny because you can pick up the soundtracks to uh classic final fantasy games in this and i'd be in the corner of my best friend's room like drawing or playing like game boy or virtual boy or whatever while he was playing ff6 or 7 or 5 or whatever and so like those soundtracks are like very deeply rooted in my childhood and like i remember like caring about the characters and like watching certain sequences but never actually being like fully engulfed in the game itself. Uh, so to play this and jump jump fully into it and be like, I am really enjoying this game. It's fantastic. The fact that it says the Final Fantasy for fans and first timers is, I think, totally true. Um, and it's got me being like, hey, I'd be super down to play Final Fantasy VII with this control scheme and this level of exploration. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, when's that going to happen? Is that going to come up real soon? They built this whole engine. They got it running. They got a combat system that works pretty well. I mean, it seems to work well with big swords. Keep in mind, Final Fantasy XV's first iteration was announced like before any of us were born. Right. Like, that yeah, game was in development true. for 100,000 yeah. years. That was years. actually uh, <laughs> developed uh, coinciding with Final Fantasy II. Yeah, they were <laughs> simultaneous yeah. development on this project. Mark uh, Wahlberg kept getting stuck in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks they had to patch him out of that game. 
Um, I actually, like, I just downloaded it and just got through the tutorial, and we have a three-day weekend coming up, and I'm really excited to start playing. Yeah. I Final adore Fantasy it. 15. I played like eight hours straight the other day. It's it's a great game. It's yeah. Super so are you all Final Fantasy fans at all? Not really. Um, I'm kind of like Max in that I grew up with the Super Nintendo ones and the uh, a little bit of the NES ones. I wasn't super into the NES ones, but like um, Final Fantasy two slash four on super nintendo is one of my favorite rpgs of all time and then i tried getting into like the later 3d ones um after like six and seven and eight and just wasn't too too crazy about them they felt just really weird and obtuse and then like when they went into like mmo territory i was like i'm out um but the same way as max like i had like friends who i would go over to their houses and they would just be playing for hours Mm. and i just just sort of consumed it vicariously through them um but then this one came around and i'm like oh for first timers well, that's kind of me again. Uh, and I heard, I saw the whole like buddy trip Zoolander fight dinosaur angle of it. And I'm like, this is really cool. I love cooking and the food looks awesome in the game. It makes so, me hungry all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited to jump in and just like kind of like Max, I don't know, Max is my best friend and he just knows what I like and hearing him talk about this game, me kind of being like, oh, you know what? Like, I think I would get into that. Like Max kind of sold me better than any trailers did or anybody else did that's kind of Sorry, why I really sweet and have you are you a final fantasy fan at all uh i played six seven eight and nine um eight was actually the same for me where i was my dad was living with someone and the, his son was playing eight in front of me but he never let me touch it so i experienced that game without playing it myself mm. and i had no idea what it was until i played it way way later and i was like this is that game from my childhood that kid wouldn't let me touch <laughs> Uh, but I only finished nine, and I love nine. The rest, I'm like, I don't like them so much. Mm-hmm. But um, okay. I mean, six is a really good game. This this conversation, I'm having a similar reaction to you, Brian, which is that this conversation is making me want to. This is the first out of yeah. all the talking I've heard about Final Fantasy 15. The fact that you have never finished one and you're enjoying this makes me want to try it. Yeah. Um, the the four homies in cars riding yeah. around just that's like exactly bantering. Is. That is my shit. Like that vibe yeah. is amazing. That's, that's exactly that's what, what I want to go to. 100%. Like I'll it's warn you as somebody who's like very far removed from this that the tutorial kind of turned me off and there's a certain point where you can just leave it which is nice because kind of jumping in, I was like, this is not for first timers. This is for people who love this crap. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, I was like, you know what? Just the power tutorial through is really it. bad. Yeah. You can yeah. also yeah. skip the tutorial and just yeah. sort of pick it up later. You will pick it up. Yeah. Um, tutorial is yeah. not great. So I'm just like really happy about that. And I'm, I can't wait to play. Uh, I can't wait to, you know, play seven whenever that happens. Mm-hmm. I'm not, play it with my kids someday. I'm not super exciting. bothered by either of these delays. I feel the same way about delays every time where it's like, I want a good game so delay it if you need to but yeah right. I think it's very odd that they debuted them when they did i also yeah. think like square delays are like just a it would be weird if these games didn't get pushed yeah. back a thousand times right, right? like if have final fantasy 7 just came out like this year somehow that remake we'd be like yeah. how no something well it's something it, i feel wrong. the same way like when reggie gets on stage and he's like in 2015 you'll be playing legend of zelda yep. i'm like no i won't stop lying <laughs> yeah. like it's fine well, we have this relationship now I don't believe you, I mean, but I'll give you money eventually. We're at a point where the kind of the the hype train is part of the experience, yeah. You know, and expectations weigh so heavily on games when they're announced and and when they come out. And like we saw this with, uh, you know, like with comparing like, say Fallout Four with Watch Dogs One. You know, mm-hmm. like the fact that they're like it's out this fall, you can go get it, and you're like, oh, whoa, I didn't, uh, cool, we'll do that. And you know, it wasn't like a lot of like you know conspiracy theory and disappointment ahead of time you didn't have time to get mad that anyone downgraded it or anything it was like i just found out it's it's like that lewis ck bit about being on a plane that has wi-fi and the wi-fi goes out and you're like i can't be angry about something i didn't know existed a few minutes ago um well that's weird the lights going on and off anyway um (laughs) It's PT. Yeah, I thought that was so, like a five-minute warning or yeah, something. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> it's like trying to talk to us. Maybe. Um, the, the weird elephant in the room with this thing is that it's a uh, 
broke it's the Final Fantasy VII is going to be broken into chunks, and you won't be able to play it all in one sitting. Like yeah. you said, you're 25 hours it's into no idea how that's 15. Like I don't know if you'll be able to do that with seven. I mean, maybe if you well, grind in certain maybe. areas and yeah. Are they, and are different developers handling different portions? Isn't that part of it too? CyberConnect Two is doing the first bit. I think you are right about that, but I also think it's a terrible idea. Hitman is a really, really good game, but just didn't get any attention when it came out this year because it was episodic, I think. Yeah. People were like, oh, wait until all the episodes came out, and then they were like, oh, I've got all this stuff to play I now, mean, it's too late. I think story-wise, like, Final Fantasy games are long as hell. Yeah. You, know, you can you can have, like, like, part one, and it's, you know, I mean, Lord of the Rings is one story. You know, and it broken broken into three pieces. People sure. are like, ah, oh, whatever. You know, I, mean, I like, think it, I think publishers still, publishers are still struggling with that idea of like how to keep a game in your vernacular for a long time, and yeah. how to keep you from trading it in. And do you add multiplayer? Do you add like special segmented missions that come later? Single player DLC? Like, what? How do you get someone to talk about a video game for a year and a half? Usually, something come like you work on something for ten years. Mm-hmm. We talk about it for five days, and then we never mention it again. Like, I, I spent the first month of 2016 gushing about how. Much much fun Far Cry Primal was yeah. mm. and then I never talked about that game again because they stopped supporting it and I think if they had yeah. thrown out some DLC in the fall Game of the Year talk would have come around and I would have been like Far Cry Primal was a great time yeah. Hitman, Hitman is maybe the closest I think anyone's gotten to getting it right because I feel like I did legitimately hear people talk about Hitman mm. all, yeah. all year round but it is like it's so true what you're saying about episodic games giving you an excuse to wait till all the episodes are out. I think every single person I know has been telling themselves for the past four years that they're going to play Kentucky Route Zero someday once that last one yeah, comes yeah, out, yeah. but nobody's actually touched it. Like, yeah. it with obviously some people have, but yeah, yeah. like it with, for the most part, I think it's easy to just be like, oh, I'll get around to it later. It's convenient. Um, this like this Final Fantasy VII remake could. Uh, what would be weird to me is if what if every episode of Hitman was by a different developer, like using a different engine and everything yeah. was different. That would be a, a way different well, situation. Kinda I kind of like that. I mean, yeah. if your progress had carried over in some bizarre way yeah. that's kind of awesome i know we already mentioned grindhouse like once today but yeah. like that would that's almost a, a totally. grindhouse approach yeah. to or like a four approach yeah. yeah i like that um all right so it's time for what vr playing the vr segment of the show i have a virtual reality hat that i used like to put on and go to different places and i've been playing catch up on the virtual reality world is catch up a new game <laughs> no yeah catch up is where you're uh, the bus is leaving without you and you're, you're a burger and it. people just dump condiments it's not, no, it's not a condiment thing it's about buses i went with condiments i totally thought it was gonna um, be a ketchup i was just thing. thinking like you're you're an actual first person burger and people dump mustard and ketchup on I'm you i'm kind of a first person burger <laughs> um anyway uh i checked out this game called world war tunes which is free on psn it's in beta i think you can play it without vr it's a first person shooter that is World War II setting, but it, everything is very cartoony and very, like, Looney Tunes style, very, like, Who, who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of thing. Uh, the explosions are all, like, kind of hand-drawn. It's, like, really charming. Uh, and the VR support is awesome. Uh, it has the option to do either the kind of the pie chart turning, which is not good for a competitive online first-person shooter. Right. Uh, I was like, I'll try the vomit mode and see if that works. I think it's, like, there's, like, VR comfort mode, and then there's, eh, screw it mode. And I tried that one. And I got used to it really easily, and I was thinking about it, and I think it's because it is so cartoony, and it's yeah. not like, you're not like, this isn't reality. Your brain's just kind of like, yeah, man, those are pianos falling from the sky. You say that, but I played Minecraft in VR in the non-comfort mode and nearly threw up in like it's the worst. Were you tired? Was I tired? Yeah. I, a weird question. Just in general? Yeah, always. Okay, well, could, that's actually that's actually an huh. issue with VR. Is it really? Yeah, if you're not well-rested, it's it's way tougher to adjust. I don't remember like that. being tired, but I know that I got that really, is, really hot like, and wanted to throw up. That intuitively makes sense to me, but I can absolutely corroborate the fact that Minecraft and VR made me want to die. Yeah. yeah. Unless like, you play it in the it, pie chart. Thing. No VR game has made me as sweaty 
as that, except for maybe Thumper, and that's more like a good sweat. Yeah. But the Minecraft VR sweat that I got was just like, I feel bad. Yes. Like meat sweat. Well, you know what it was? It was anytime I moved in Minecraft VR. I was like, if I move my analog stick at all, I am not having fun. Your body totally hates up. I had to keep taking it off. But it wasn't this way with this. This wasn't, no, this is, I've I've played a lot of VR games. I played like the piloting stuff where you're spinning upside down, and it's kind of odd that you do like the, you know, piloting stuff, which is your complete like, I don't even know what you call it when it's 360 and it's a full range of movement. And you can mm-hmm. turn upside down, and that's like something I can't do while I'm sitting in my chair. But the barrel roll? Uh, yeah, barrel rolls. That's <laughs> what you call it. 360 barrel rolls. But um, in this one, like you you run around and you're you know it, you basically you um it's normal twin stick movement, but for fine aiming, you're using your eyes. Hmm. So like to shoot a guy, you're like you're looking at him. Um, one thing that's really funny is you get if you pick the sniper class uh, and you zoom in with the sniper rifle, the scope doesn't actually magnify anything because I think that would be even more disorienting. What it does is it magnifies people's heads, so like <laughs> it makes everyone go into big head mode, so they're easier to hit. Cool, mm. uh, I kind of love that. And then in order to get like a, a proper headshot that like is taking somebody out, you basically have to charge up your shot. Uh, it's really fun. I think people should go check it. Check it. Out. It reminds me of like Worms a bit, huh. um, and it also recalibrates every time you die, so it doesn't have that like VR drift stuff going on. And like you said, um, it's free, right? Yeah, it's free. That's so awesome. you know, give it a shot. I'm, a, um, I'm currently without a PlayStation VR in my life right now. I had the Office one that we were sent by Sony during uh-huh. launch, and then I gave it to a coworker to like try Bound in VR, and I forgot I pre-ordered it. So I have like the box that doesn't come with the camera. Just it's been sitting in the corner of my room for four months, and I've been doing this like mental dance of like, okay, I really want to do. Uh, the Res Area X stuff. Yeah. Like, I oh, I, have, yeah. I finally unlocked it. I have not played it yet. And I'm like, I, there's still a part of me that's like, I can return my PSVR. It hasn't been opened. Is it worth opening this for Res, like, Res Infinite's Area X? Sure. But for that alone? Because mm-hmm. I, I think I'm in a weird position now. Like, at launch, when you buy a PSVR, you're like, okay, because I got all this stuff. I've got Thumper and Res, and then maybe games in the future. Now that we're, like, a few months into PSVR's launch... Can you name like other than Resident Evil? Like, what's an upcoming PSVR game? I'm I'm kind of stumped trying to think of one. Well, right that's now. where it gets a little weird because I mean Resident Evil is a big one, but the the I was looking at like the drop and there's nothing this week, which is like the first time in a while there hasn't been anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's a bunch of like little things happening here and there. Um, like I've been saying, I've been saying on the show for a while that PSVR hasn't really had a bunch of Mario 64s, but it's had like a dozen pilot wings. <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's kind of a weird launch where you're like, all right, well there's a there's a few like. C plus B minus games, but there haven't been a ton of like A plus games. But yeah, and I think a lot of the things that are coming out are uh, from indie devs who mm-hmm. don't have huge marketing budgets. So there yeah. are, are still things coming out, and a lot of them are creative and unexpected and weird. It's just that you don't know about them because they don't have the money to. Yeah, tell you they just them. kind of appear on the store. Yeah, which I kind of like. Yeah, like, me too. What's here this week? Yeah. That's cool. Like I had never heard of of World War Tunes until this conversation. So yeah. like yeah. That, mm-hmm. that gives me something to to go home and check out. Yeah. I guess I also feel pretty confident because like PSVR. My understanding is that it wildly outsold the Vive and Oculus. It did. Mm-hmm. Like, it did, yeah. By landslides. And it, that that is kind of the biggest hurdle in VR is like yeah. which where's the user base? The user base is in PSVR so I do think that games will get there eventually. I just wish I had like one thing on the horizon to look forward to because then I could open this box and not feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Right. Werewolves Within yeah. just came out. That's an awesome game. Yeah. I reviewed it. Uh, Werewolves Within. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which Eagle, is basically, Eagle Flight's really cool too. I think I watched y'all play You didn't that, like actually. Eagle Flight? I hate Eagle What? I hate it so much. What, why? Sound design, man. You don't like those scrawls or oh, those eagles? That ga- the way I describe that game is it goes bomp, 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 scrawl! And that's the entire game, the whole time. Is there a what's, separate what's volume meter for the eagle itself in I the settings? Because so that would help. I wish that every every video game had like an animal of a sense. I like to play with it's bears so all bad. the way up and every other animal <laughs> down. Um, it makes Assassin's Creed 3 very weird. Yeah. So one other game I jumped on was Surgeon Simulator Experience Reality. Mm. Uh, Surgeon Simulator is a game that I really, really want to love. 
Uh, it is a game where you do surgery, but it's like go- bad, goofy surgery, yeah. and the controls are sort of in, like kind of inherently wonky. It was kind of one of the first like it's broken on purpose yeah, kind of it's games. Very much that kind of like class of goat simulator kind of thing. Yeah. Um, this one. Like, I've played the first mission of Surgeon Simulator, which is like a heart transplant. I've done it a few times. I'm, I'm like, maybe VR is the way to do it. It's still going to be goofy, but having, like, you know, one-to-one controls with, with um, you know, PlayStation Move controllers maybe makes it better. Um, I don't know if my setup isn't right and I need to get the lighting better or recalibrate or whatever, uh, but it's even worse than it was before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I, it doesn't really tell you whether you should play like play it sitting down or standing up. Like usually, VR games are really good about that. They're like mm-hmm. clear space, make sure you got plenty of room to move around. I'm like most most surgeries so, are done completely yeah. sitting down, um, <laughs> just yeah, real I was, relaxed. I was like, do, I, like, do I squat? Like, and I'm trying to you know get the camera right, and I'm just uh, the first time I got like I got the the you know rib cage off, and I pulled out the lungs, and I the guy's not dead yet. Like I murdered him numerous times, <laughs> and I got the heart out, and I got. Or I was about to take it out. I like I did very carefully. Like and everything's just wiggling. Like everything's not quite mm-hmm. you know there yet. Yeah. Um, and I I pull the heart out and it does this like insane like elastic slingshot thing where it just bounces all over the screen and I'm holding on to it so it's just like this weird like like paddle ball <laughs> effect and then it just flies off in the corner of the room and it's like you murdered this man and I was like all right whatever and I finally I'll- I finally got it and then I couldn't get to the um. I couldn't figure out how to get to the next mission, and I was like, what am I doing? I think, like, I, I would say that's a PSVR thing, but yeah. I've actually had that happen with the base version of that game yeah. on, on PlayStation, where it's just, it doesn't it doesn't coordinate with me, it doesn't communicate with me well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also had weird times where, like, I'm playing PSVR on, like, a Sunday afternoon, and the sun from San Francisco is coming in, and, like, a light beam bounces off a picture frame in the corner, and all of a sudden, like, everything is jittering around like crazy. Yeah, I... Uh, my my experience playing Job Simulator in PSVR sounds a lot like your experience playing okay. Surgeon Simulator right. in VR because I just would like part of it was like I would reach down onto the ground to to grab an object that was there and it just immediately would like lose lose yeah. hand tracking yeah. and there's it feels like there's like it's it's really easy to blame yourself for that stuff I heard because you said like maybe my PSVR setup's not right I've never met anyone whose PSVR setup is right who isn't a Sony employee who like has it set up in a nice dark booth at right. E3 or something the move control is a really old. It's yeah, that's thing. true. It's all yeah. technology, and yeah. you know, especially compared to Oculus Touch, which is just it's incredible. Uh, I think that there's no way that Sony aren't coming out with a replacement for move controls. I think it's baffling that they launched that thing without updating those controllers from 2010. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that and the no HDR pass through for 4K TVs was completely baffling to me. That when I want to play PSVR, which is already a pretty cumbersome experience of like dragging out this big helmet, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, taking out the move controllers, making sure they're charged, like wiping down the the lenses and stuff like that, pulling out that 70 foot anaconda that it's connected to <laughs> and then like unplugging the HD, hdmi and plugging it in like it's just just so like when i go back to my psvr or my ps4 a few minutes later to play like something in in 4k hdr it's not blocking that signal so yeah. there's a couple of like just weird decisions with that thing i really really love it it's like it's the most comfortable vr kit i've ever yeah, tried totally. but Absolutely. it's definitely got some hiccups i think like- we'll see some fixes for that kind of stuff hope I like my hat, and I'm excited to have more hat experiences in virtual reality. Um, real quick, we got a time for a couple of quick questions from Rapid Fire, which is, of course, when we go in the Podcast Beyond Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash Podcast Beyond, and ask you for questions. I put up a picture of Nick with you with the bongo drums, the, uh, the donkey bongos or whatever they're called. <laughs> donkey bongs, yeah. yeah donkey bong conga. Yeah, I don't know what they're called. The, the go conga go or whatever. Conky dong bongo yeah. beat. Anyway, Conky Sam Squanch, <laughs> I'm not having a stroke, that's his name, said, how do you deal with NDA and holding in secrets? Do you all tell each other? NDA is obviously non-disclosure agreements. The uh, answer well, is that if we were to say yes, then we would be fired. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's um, under NDA. I was talking yeah. about it like it's that it's that stupid story about like the golden goose that lays eggs and you can get an egg every single day if you take care of it. But like there's that guy that comes in and is just like, kill the goose and get all the eggs out of it. It's like, no, it'll give you something every day forever. Like our relationship with publishers and each other is that we learn secrets, we keep them close to our chest so that when they're making Resident Evil 8 and 9, they come to us again and they're like, we can trust those people. Yeah. I also want to say that I think a lot of, like, there would be things that I would know on NEA that you guys would not know. In right. it. Like, they don't tell everyone. Like, we don't just have a publisher come and be like, everyone in IGN, here is this. Like, it's very individual. Yeah, we you know, don't, don't really get, like, we don't really get, I think, like, the last time I remember just, like, 20 of us getting in the room and getting briefed on something was, um, the Minecraft story mode from Telltale. Where they weird. they came unusual. in. It was very unusual. Yeah. They came in. We have a big theater here at IGN, and they just came in and just sort of like showed us everything. It was because we weren't covering Minecon or something. Yeah, it was like we they were going to be announcing it there. Um, but yeah, like as far as like working at different outlets, like yeah. there's there is. Um, I know there's a group for reviewers that when I was reviewing games, we it was basically like it was a, like a top secret cabal of like like people who needed help. You know, and I'm, like I'm on that I'm, Facebook yeah. group. And it's, it's, you know, it's useful because reaching out to the PR person when they're just like, they're not, you know, they're going to have to go to the devs and be like, how do they get through this? Whereas being like, hey, you know, Arthur Keys, how do I make this man jump higher? And he's like, you push the button better. Yeah, it, I was going to say, I think a lot of people think groups like that are about like conspiring industry <laughs> secrets. No. It's mostly like we get stuck in a game pre-release yeah. Yeah. and there's no guy, there's no help, there's yeah. no like, there's no subreddit yet. Right. Or- I was on that uh, Facebook group for Kronos, which is an Oculus exclusive game that came out earlier this year. Uh last year i guess now and i absolutely love that game but there were so many things where i got stuck and it was just infuriating and there were other people getting stuck and it was yep. just a comment thread of people talking about the exact same things that they were stuck at no conspiracies the witness well, was a big game for that last yeah. year totally. like we didn't you have anyone help. else to talk to about that except for each other and it, yep. it was very helpful because that game kind of needs it i think yeah. the interesting part of this question to me is like is holding in secrets hard i i don't find that that's the case maybe it's because i've like a few years into this i, I just i guess like I very rarely know anything that juicy. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not like holding in a secret. I'm holding in like an hour-long gameplay video. Right. Like it's not... Yeah. It's like I'm not supposed to name that one boss fight that I had or whatever. I mean, yeah, uh, this this list of things here. I mean, I really want to talk about all the Resident Evil spoilers, but that? I can't... Well, we don't want anyone... Oh, that's a secret. I didn't, I didn't know that. Secrets. I shouldn't have known that one one bit. Uh, but, um, I mean... There's a large egg? Yeah. <laughs> you just avoid talking about it. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. people are going to be fine. mad about that. I think like the tough the tough anymore. part is like I don't know as a kid I loved getting video games for Christmas and I don't get them anymore because now we have them at work and I get them you know I get codes and stuff like that so that part's gone but it's also like the idea of watching E3 and having no idea what's going to happen doesn't really happen to us anymore yeah. so like I try to avoid knowing anything going into E3 oh, really? if I can because yeah. I still like the, the being excited that's something I've been doing like watching E3 since I was 10 and getting excited about announcements and I try and keep that as much as I can like, yeah. I've, de- I've definitely had the thing happen where like um like someone has come back from a some sort of pre-briefing for like an, an uh, E3 related announcement, and I'm like, I don't want to hear that actually. Oh, I just want to yeah. watch the thing yeah. tomorrow. And get, so, likewise, I remember like when we were in the sort of heat of like the Smash Brothers announcements. Like, mm-hmm. I love Smash Brothers so so much, and I love Nintendo so much. And I was like, there was a part of the back of my head that was like, I kind of hope nothing else leaks. Like, I kind of yeah. hope someone doesn't yeah. like do a dump of the 3DS ROM and find every single character's totally. name in. But then, yeah. of course, it inevitably happened. Yeah, actually, I hate leaks. I publishers hate leaks. I there are some fans that love them, but I like I would rather the messaging be controlled by the the artists and developers responsible yeah. for it. Like, I love surprises too. With Smash Brothers, I was the same way. I was like, like finding out about Pac Man. 
from Sakurai at E3 in that room was awesome. And yeah. like I that wouldn't have happened if somebody had just taken like a cell phone picture. Yeah. It's so weird because it is that there's that blurriness between like being a, a fan and being a critic. But I can't think of anything I enjoy more than like watching one of Sakurai's pre-rendered trailers and not knowing who the character is. And then it's yeah. like someone weird like Wii Fit trainer. Oh, like yeah. that is my favorite feeling. Yeah, yeah. it's so cool. Um, hope um, we get that, some of that this week. Yeah, yeah I think really that the difference between like NDAs and holding in secrets is that one is a like one is a very, you know, pretty boilerplate like legal agreement that's like hey just don't just shut up until this date you know embargo stuff is usually for the most part by the time it gets to us it's you're gonna hear about it in a week and a half anyway like, yeah it's, kind yeah, of, it's not really true. that exciting yeah uh i mean occasionally something has like you know floated in my ear that's something that i probably should have known about and i'm like wowzers and then it's sort of like a little bit scary like i'm afraid i'm gonna like you know get put under anesthesia or something and come out and be like the, Start a periscope. They're, they're mocapping Brad Pitt for Destiny Five or something. Yeah. I have like, had things where I'm like, I forget sometimes if something is rumored or I just heard mm-hmm. the thing. So I'm like, I'm just not going to comment because yeah. I don't remember if this is like a rumor that I read or if this is actually true. And I just like forgot about it. I'm yeah. just going to avoid that. And have y'all ever accidentally like broken a major embargo on like a live video or something? I don't think so. No, that's tough though because if I get pre-briefed on something and then I'm like hosting a pre-show and it's kind of like, what do we expect from this event? And I'm like, <laughs> I know a bunch of stuff in. already. Um, that gets very difficult. But I actually prefer that because then I can sort of be a little more measured. Conversation mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And I don't have to spend 20 minutes being like, Sonic the Hedgehog is in Horizon Zero Dawn, (laughs) maybe. I'm like, I know he's not. (laughs) Or I know he is. Um, He is. Kevin Adderidge? Yeah, that was uh, it. That's how that word works. <laughs> okay. Uh, Nick talked about how he wanted Hello Games to drop No Man's Sky and return to smaller games like Joe Danger. Are there any other developers who you'd like to see do the same? Rockstar with Max Payne. As always, thanks. And then two different types of hearts. Which oh, I thought was they're very real nice. creative. Mm-hmm. Little yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I like that Rockstar comparison. I I do. Yeah. I, I started playing that. Bully over the holiday break because it's on iPhone now, yeah. and I was on a long flight. And like, that's an open world game, sort of, but it's like so much smaller. And uh, I felt the same way with stuff like Max Payne, State of Emergency, Manhunt. Like these are games that were very definitive, like beginning, middle, and end. And I think that like you could get a game like that every two or three years instead of every six or seven. Yeah, I wouldn't say that about Rockstar because. GTA is so good. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's like what they're making is so amazing that I would never want to pull them back. But at the same time, it would be cool to have like more Rockstar Studios because like I loved Max Payne 3. I loved mm-hmm. 1 and 2 as well. But 3 was a really, really good game. Really well paced. So I think I, I would want another Max Payne, but I would want it from Remedy. Yeah. I want sure. Remedy to make one again. Because yeah. I, I actually... Seen that happening. I reinstalled Max Payne 3, which by the way, if you want to try to play Max Payne 3 in 2017, it's a really hard because you have to like go in and manually reinstall Rockstar Social Club and oh, do all no. the... It's, mm-hmm. I had to jump through some hoops, but I did finally get it running. And I'm like, I mostly want to play that again to see if... like I was a teen when, when Max Payne 3 happened. I don't remember uh-huh. if it was good or not. I want to like play it again and see if, if it mm-hmm. was as good as I remember. But like really... The one thing I do remember about Max Payne 3 is, it, as cool as it was, it didn't feel like Remedy's Max Payne. No, it right. was such a specific yeah, vibe absolutely. to that. Yeah. I mean, they were they were prototyping uh, Michael shooting mechanic for 5. Yeah. Mm. Like, that's what they do. And, and the same way you see, like, the the fighting and traversal for Warriors is, um, like, early version of, uh, you know, GTA 4. Like, mm-hmm. It's weird how they kind of test yeah. that stuff out. So are there, are there any developers, though, who are, like, you feel like they're stuck under the weight of some enormous franchise that you want to get them out from under? It's like, tough. We were just talking about this. Who is, who's the other indie dev that's doing something, like, really huge that started out with something smaller? God, I'm trying to remember this. I mean, I think in general, like, the bigger and better and bigger and better is, like, with the trajectory that happens with most franchises. And I think a lot of stuff does get lost in the process here and there. Um, 
like I love Mario 64. It's probably my favorite 3D Mario. And I think that like I don't really want like a game five times bigger than that. I think there's something great about that size, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, same with like 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 Assassin's Creed games. I just I think have just gotten to the point where like you start one up, you open up the map and it's like, oh, God, I have a million things a to do. A lot of clutter. Yeah. yeah. It's just like icons and icons and they give you busy work because they want you to feel like you got your $60 worth. But I'd, I'd be totally okay with, you know, half as many things, half mm-hmm. the size of a city. Yeah, I kind of feel the same about Far Cry. So maybe it's just a Ubisoft thing. But mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a really tough question. Nothing yeah. is coming to mind for me. I wonder if de- how developers feel about it. Like, I'm, I, obviously, we have no way of, of taking the temperature of what things are like at Hello Games right now. But I'm curious if, like... They're, they seem pretty committed to updating No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. I wonder if on a personal level, is that what they want to be doing or do they want to make like these colorful, super fun, super tight? Because Joe Danger is just like a small, color, it feels like a Sega Genesis game. Yeah, like, totally. That's I've been a Hello Games fan since like 2009 for that reason. And I, I kind of want them to, that's their wheelhouse for me. I want yeah. to see what they would make in that. Yeah. But um, It's weird with something like that though because then do you go like from the makers of No Man's Sky? Yeah, what, I totally wonder what they... I'll be interested to see how they do that for their next game. Yeah. Whatever yeah. their next game me is. Me too. I would I, like I, I, put a Joe, Jan- Joe Danger in No Man's Sky and just ride a dirt bike around. I'm actually amazed they didn't do anything like that. Yeah. That would have been great. There must have be some planet out there that's just his head. It's just Joe's head. Start like looking. a stubble field <laughs> that picks up like a third of it. Um, yeah, so let's wrap things up here. Um, before we go, Nick, where can people find you once again? Uh, you can find me on youtube.com slash polygon for good videos and youtube.com slash babylonian for bad videos. Um, you've, done, you've done some good and bad ones on both, I think. Yeah, the lights really are flickering. It's really it's, weird. It's like we have a thunderstorm in here. Oh, yeah, it is pretty messed up out there in San Francisco this week. A lot of rain. But, yeah, I am babylonian on every website, like Twitter, tumblr youtube and uh, oh i do a podcast called cool games inc with griffin mcelroy where people submit uh really stupid ideas for video games to us and we kind of design them as though they were real that's i love that i really idea. want to that's such that an, that's I want, such I an awesome have thing. all y'all on it just like back to back to back yeah let's do it just yeah. batch record let's do it man we, we love your work we're glad you're here would, yeah. thank you for having me yeah, yeah. love to have y'all on. On this <laughs> weather um of course you can you can find us all on twitter you are like you said babylonian mm-hmm. uh, i'm max scoville alana is charl Anazard, and brian your agent bizzle yep uh, we'll be back next week with more of this show that we do, which is Beyond. Beyond. Is there anything else I'm supposed to say? I forget. No, I think you did really is good. Is that it? Oh, right. we're, we're giving away an entire uh, RV of, full of birds. RV full of birds. Yeah. If, if you find it and you have enough special coins, it's all yours. I guess also check out the uh, YouTube channel on youtube.com slash yes. Beyond and the oh, Facebook page, good God. is facebook.com slash group slash. I mentioned that one. No, that was exactly what we, we forgot. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah. the apps. You're, you're glad you're here. The apps are out there. Y'all got apps? Yep. We have hella apps. We got lots of apps. That's the end of the show. (laughs) Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.